Yo, this is Chris. What up? This is Randy. Welcome to Brothers Brim uh, podcast. This is a special one, special edition. Uh, today we are interviewing Andrew Larson, uh, field staff member, also a Pacific Northwest KBF fisherman. Um, we're real excited to interview him. Bearded and tatted. Um, Andrew Larson's talking all the way to us from out, out in Washington. Whereabouts in Washington are you, brother? Uh, it's Mount Lake Terrace, but about 10 miles north of Seattle. That's awesome. Oh, so you're north of Seattle. Yeah. Man. So how far are you from the Canadian border? Uh, Two-hour drive. Oh, so it's, it's not that man. close. Yeah, I'm, I'm like just above Seattle, really. That's okay, awesome, cool. man. Cool. It's such a beautiful area, man. Yeah, still closer than Oregon, though. I can get to Canada faster. I know, you were talking about, yeah. I'm sure when you get tournaments and you're like, oh, yeah, I fish a tournament in Oregon. People are like, oh, that's not too far. You're like, no, it really is. <laughs> yeah, it's, I had one a tournament last weekend that was on the Idaho border. That was five or six hour drive. Oh, my gosh. Was that all the way down by, uh, what, like, moscow and what spokane and all that or where yeah it was actually just north of spokane uh, <laughs> that's awesome was that a one-day event or like multi yeah just just one of our one-day events drove awesome. out friday night fished saturday and drove back saturday night now is that like a club function or are you just doing like a like kbf deal or uh, it's part of uh the so we have the washington kbf yeah, but it's part of Kayak Fishing Northwest, which is Washington, Oregon, Idaho, kind of is the parent KBF. Yeah, yeah. I, dude, I totally get it. Um, Iowa didn't have anything for a long time, and uh, they came together. A couple of longtime anglers out here, some hammers, uh, came together and they put together IAC. That's what I, I kind of collect with. And some of those guys are KBF. Some of them do nationals. Some of them, you know, pushing in the Bassmaster circuit. They, we had a few go down to Fork. And uh, tear it up. Oh, yeah, the national championship. Yeah. yeah. I would have loved to have made fork, but. I would have loved to actually catch a fish in my first tournament at Brushy. That would have been great. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a bit of a freak, man. You know that. We've talked. Uh, you're the bearded, padded wonder, so you understand the freak train. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love origin stories, man. Ever since I was a kid reading comic books, movies, I'm an origin story freak. It's what sucks me in. And it's also what gets me to back people a lot of the time, right? So um, what got you into fishing? What got you into fishing, brother? Well, it's, it's kind of the same story as a lot. It was, it was my grandfather. Um, I never got to fish much with him. He kind of stepped away from fishing by the time I was at that age where I wanted to fish all the time. He would take me, but just kind of let me do my own thing. But I grew up listening to the stories of him fishing. Like he grew up St. Louis, uh, fishing Lake of the Ozarks and those, you know, those lakes in Missouri. And uh, he lived in Little Rock. He lived in West Virginia, Illinois. Uh, ended up in California before he came to Washington. And so all those different places he went, he, you know, we taught fishing, he'd fly fish for trout in a stream in West Virginia before going to work every morning, he would have fresh trout for breakfast. Uh, he'd fish for bass on Lake Casitas and near LA, which is, oh, wow. you know, they're, they're putting out double digit bass there now. That was yeah. He fished it before they started stocking it with trout. Um, and then when he came to Washington, he got into the salmon fishing. So, you know, we got the Puget Sound out here and he he hit Puget Sound hard, bought a boat. And that's where I grew up on my summers were spent out cruising Puget Sound, fishing off docks, fishing for salmon, all in salt water for the most part. Absolutely. Hitting those salmon runs, man. Those kings are are, are fun as hell to get into. Oh, Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's taken a turn for the worse around here. It's, you know, and so he got out of fishing cause it was so limited and the runs were getting smaller and smaller. And yeah, so, but I could talk fishing with him and he would just sit there and listen. I could tell him, 
whatever wild story I saw on some, you know, Bill Dance outdoors and he would <laughs> sit there, we would just talk about fishing and he would tell me about his favorite lures and uh so we were just I was he was always interested in fishing. I could always talk fishing with him even if we weren't fishing actively together. Yeah. So and then, you know, my my love for fishing grew from that and then it I've done the fly fishing, I've done the salmon, trout, bass, anything I can anytime I can get wet a line. Uh yeah, you're an angler, brother. Yeah, it was off and on, you know, you all, you have your downtime where you kind of move in different directions especially when you're in your twenties and you're young and doing stupid things instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I spent, I, that, I, say, I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I spent a lot of my life like that. Randy, on the other hand, from the moment he could walk and hold a rod, he's been fishing and hasn't stopped me. I, uh, I didn't get into fishing heavy until my late twenties almost. I mean, you've been around it your whole yeah, life. I mean, I was surrounded by, it. and it's funny when you were talking about your grandfather, Randy and I were laughing uh, in the background not in a bad way. It, your story, like, <laughs> we could be family, brother. <laughs> Actually, it's scary how many, uh, like, weird connections there are. So, our, my grandfather, um, I say my grandfather, grandfather not my yeah. grand, not your grandfather. That's right. <laughs> um, but the, um, our grandfather is actually from Southern Missouri, um, was born in St. Louis. Um, yeah. And we grew up with stories of fishing the, you know, backwaters of some you know, St. Joseph or not St. Joseph, um, um, Castor River or whatever Silver it was, Mines. Silver Mines. And like it, he lived, actually grew up in a town called Fredericktown, Missouri. And, um, and, uh, and so we grew up with all these stories about Missouri fish in Missouri. It was like this hollow ground. It was crazy. And, but we never got a chance to fish here cause we lived in Southern California. And yeah. so my, cause my grandfather actually moved out there to Southern California. And so we learned to fish. I fished at Lake Casitas and Castaic and Paris and Lopez and all these lakes in Southern, uh, are in by San Diego and all this stuff when I was a little, little kid, cause I'm six years older than Chris. So, and that was back when my parent or my grandparents had they were still spry. <laughs> and so they would take me, uh, pick me up from school and take me and stuff. Um, when I was 10 years old or whatever. And that's how I got into it. Um, and then Chris eventually ended up stationed uh, in the army up in, uh, at Fort Lewis, you yeah. know? And so yeah. we got a chance to fish some of the waters up there. And, uh, so we kind of have some kind of association with what you're doing up there. Yeah. Um, I actually started to get my hardcore drive for bass, bass fishing in particular, when I was stationed at Lewis, I used to go to American lakes, Gualichu, a lot of different fisheries around the area. But I mean, I would hook into smallmouth up there and largemouth, and people can say what they want. Cause it's a more Northern West coast state. Oh, there aren't big fish out there. That, that's, that's crap. I've, I've seen them, uh, caught them. Oh yeah. That's, if you want to talk smallmouth, I'll put in, I'll put our smallmouth up against any smallmouth fishery out there. We don't necessarily have the numbers of like the great lakes where you can go cruising in your boat and see 50 fish from in 30 feet of water, but the quality of fish is the same. If you're oh, not yeah. bringing in five pound smallies for a tournament, you're not going to, you're not going to win. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you this, smallmouth are not created equal. So um, the smallmouth that are in northern Iowa versus what's in, you know, I don't know, like the Columbia River or um, or in this case, you know, we talk about Great Lakes. But then in my case, I'm in Alabama. The, the smallmouth we have in the Tennessee River on Pickwick, they're just different, man. They respond different. They they still fight hard, but I'm telling you what, pound for pound, the smallmouth that we grew up fishing with in Colorado, when we moved to Colorado when I was in high school, pound for pound, those remind me more of the ones we used to catch, um, like in Washington. That just pound for pound, they're just more pissed off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so a, a little one pounder will spool your reel and you're like, you Lake bass fight and, and catch like most river bass. It's insane to me. And I love, there is a clear distinction between river bass and lake bass. Usually when you, when you hook into them, just the way they fight, I mean, they're all muscle. I mean, it's just their whole tenacity of how they hit even, but the lake bass in Washington hit like river bass. It's crazy. Yep, exactly. No, I was just going to say it's, they, you know, the colder, the shorter seasons, our, our bass just have to, they're just more aggressive when it comes, when they, when they want something, they take it. Yeah, because they don't know when their next meal is going to happen. 
I think it's just because of the whole punk rock grunge scene, but you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't even do that. Don't even do that. Um I'm a I'm an early nineties kid, so like I'm defined by by uh the freaking music of the Seattle area. It sounds like a total cliche, but that's where we grew up. But it's kind of what I did. Um, uh, the uh, so l- why don't you tell us a little bit what's going on, like fishing wise in your life? Like, what's what are you fishing for right now? Like, what's what's been your uh, any any like when you think about it right now, fishing? What are the big things going on, or you know what's what's involved in your life right now when it comes to fishing? Ah. Uh. Well, like I, I just had a tournament last week. Uh, I have another one uh, coming up in July. Uh, that's actually on Lake Taps, a uh, huge smallmouth fishery. Um, Where is that? What part of the state is that? It's actually not far. It's Auburn. Um, oh, wow. so it's kind of northwest of or northeast of Tacoma. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like halfway between Tacoma and Seattle, probably. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, a, it's a huge lake, uh, tiger musky in there too. And, um, but it's a total smallmouth fishery. And, uh, like, uh, two years ago, I had, we had a tournament there in March and I put a 21 and a quarter inch smallmouth for oh, big fish of the tournament. There's monsters in there. What kind of misconceptions would somebody have about smallmouth fishing, um, in Washington? Like, like, is it, is it typical or like, what is something that would surprise somebody like of how you catch them there? I don't know that there's really anything that stands out. Um, I, I fish, I catch 90% of my smallmouth deeper. Like I'm not fishing shallow water for them. I'm fishing 15 to 35 feet of water, depending on how warm the water temperatures are. Deeper depends on who you're talking to. I'm like, oh, so you're talking to Alabama. I'm like you're talking like three feet, right? No, I'm just <laughs> yeah and that's that's up here it's i i fished louisiana a couple of years ago and it was a totally different world uh than what i'm used to but yeah so i fish a lot of like i don't i don't know if you call them glacial lakes but they're they're not like tennessee river system lakes or you know these other lakes with all these arms and creeks feeding them it's they're kind of like bowls uh you have the shoreline and then you just get deep in the center yeah clear water clear water. i'm 10 feet visibility plus on average for all the lakes i fish yeah uh um when i was down in south carolina by the time i'd hit my skill kind of and kind of knew what i was doing i was like man i was i wish i was back in some of that that west coast water (laughs) it's true it's like i'm not good at power fishing i know that's a weakness for me and part of it is i'm just i'm so used to the ultra clear water. So I'm fishing docks or I'm fishing offshore on ledges. And or I don't even know if our ledges are the same as what other people think, but the steep drops. I've seen yeah. some of that stuff. I was going to say, our ledges are, you know, like we look at Tennessee River Ledge or Acusa River Ledge. We're looking at, you know, it's slowly tapering from 10 and then it drops. You might get a uh, it, it go from ten to fourteen feet deep. You get that five, five five foot drop with maybe just a little clay ridge, or even sometimes it's rock ridge, and it's really where the current comes through. This is the key for us on those ledges, not not necessarily the uh, the depth. And uh, but that's it. You're just looking at the short little nuances, like three like three four feet. So I mean, sometimes we have more, but for the most part, that's what we're looking at. Yeah, and that's. Like when I'm staring at my graphs, trying to find the steepest drop that I can. Uh, but like, we'll all have a dock where, you know, you're on shorts, a foot of water. And then at the end of the dock, you're in 20 feet of water. Yeah. Like, I mean, and you're still only 20 feet from shore and it just is a super steep drop. Uh, and those are the docks that I love fishing because the bass could be anywhere up and down that depending on how they feel. Yeah. So that that but another question I like to ask people a lot: What is your favorite favorite presentation, favorite lure, favorite application when it comes to bass fishing? Like, what is your your favorite? Like, ultimate? Is like, this one of those like one rod challenges? Yeah, Here you, you have one rod, one rod, one rod, one lure, and you know you can slam all day. It's your favorite way to catch them? What is? It? Well, see, that's two different things. My favorite way is not normally the way I can catch them. No, 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 no. We're talking. You have to catch fish. So. 
it, it, I, same thing. You know, Chris will say, I'll just tell you mine right out of the bit. They're right out of the gate. I'll throw a frog all day and catch two fish. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and my, mine changes month by month, depending on what technique I'm trying to improve. But I'll tell you what, man, like I love flukes. I love jerk baits all day. Um, that's like my thing. I, I love jerk baits. Yeah. So like, yeah, you had to put some numbers in the boat. What, what's the count? Yeah, what are you looking at? Uh, this year it's, it's a shaky head. Like I yeah. can skip it up under docks. I can, if it's a big enough head, I could work it deep. Like it is just, I will work it anywhere in the water column at any, like it's just the most versatile and catches me large mouth and small mouth. Yeah. There you go. By the end of this call or by the end of this podcast, Chris is going to be convinced that he has to have a shaky head tied on at all times. Cause <laughs> yesterday we got skunked except for my one fish. I caught on a shaky, shaky head. head. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, I lost a crappie. So I'm telling you this crappie went airborne. It was awesome. Yeah, man, my, my big fish this year was a shaky head. It was like a three thirty second ounce shaky head. And six and a half pound largemouth just came out of nowhere and destroyed it oh man yeah that was a tank i remember that beast yeah uh, he i i was shaking and spooled me a couple times like it was just i'm on eight pound leader uh to braid and it was just everything i could do to stay calm and net the fish and get it in the kayak Oh, dude. Yeah. And, and as soon as you get them, it's that Negan experience, you know, from Walking Dead. Negan, yeah, I hope you have your shitting pants on. Oh. Like, you seriously feel like you're about to drop one, man. You're like, oh, my God. I, I love that feeling, especially in a kayak, man. That's amazing. That's actually a, one of the things we wanted to talk about with you is uh, both of us are, you know, I fished in probably like five or six different kayak tournaments, but I fished in probably a thousand, you know, bass boat tournaments. Um, okay, that's probably more than I'd have in the thought, probably 500. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, so I want to know from your perspective, um, it, as far as being a kayak fisherman, there are things that come into play that people in bass boats don't have to deal with. So the fact that there are technical issues with possibly loading your fish picture and getting the right picture. And then how about trying to land a damn fish? Like, could you imagine you're throwing your, you know, mega bass 110 jerk bait and you're know, early in the spring and all, and you're on a bite. But the fact is, is you can't get that damn smallmouth in the boat because you're going to hook your, your penis or something. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> Like, what the hell? Like, I don't know. You tell me about the nuances of, yeah. of kayak uh, tournament fishing of what, you know, I kind of, it, do you still run into those problems? Uh, it's to an extent, like with smallmouth pose their own threat, their own problems, because they will fight and thrash and kick and they just don't cooperate no matter what you do. So Ever, yeah. <laughs> I, ha I have to net them like every time. doesn't matter if it's a 10 inch fish or if it's a 20 inch fish. I have my net out for a smallmouth because they just don't sit still. And like I lost one in this last tournament that would have, you know, was a keeper and would have filled my limit. And I'm still kicking myself, obviously. Yeah. Uh, large mouth. Like, I mean, I bring them up to the boat and I'll lip them. Uh, but I, you, you have problems like if I'm flipping grass or something, um, not so much grass as like lily pads, and you feel that bite and you go set the hook and next thing you know, you pull the whole front end of your kayak right into the grass or the lily pads because you, you, there's nothing securing you out there. Yeah, so, are you running? Are you running a rudder? Like, do you have you have a you have a rudder? You have just paddle or pedal? Like, you paddle driven by you? You got pedal drive? What are you what are you operating? Yeah, I'm I'm doing the pedal drive with so I got a rudder and my pedals, and which I my first season I was in uh, a paddle kayak and I was able to do it. I still placed in some tournaments, uh, yeah. but having those pedals is just you're able to hold your spot a lot easier. You're able to work uh, areas and you can handle bigger water. Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's caveman spot lock, dude. But uh, um, I uh, that's that's one thing I was going to say from my experience with my my recent tournament, man, is I'm starting to realize the limitations of my equipment. I think I had the same kayak as you or an earlier generation was a lifetime Tamarack. And, and that's that's what got me on the water. And I will for anyone who like they want to talk bad about them because they're not 
you know, these $5,000, $6,000 Hobies, uh, they get you on the water and that's, what's important. And you learn to deal with them. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I have a paddle only. I mean, mine's a nice paddle only, but the fact is, is I can do nothing different than what Chris can do. So I have a bonafide and I love my bonafide 127, but the fact is, is Chris can do the same stuff in his that I can do in mine. And um, now he weighs about a hundred pounds less than I do. So that's <laughs> part of the problem. But like, cause I'm not standing up anytime soon in mine. Like I can, it's really stable. I do occasionally, but you know, I really need something a little bit more stable to be able to flip and pitch and stuff like that. Yeah. And see, that's where I, I went with a native Titan. So I got the oh, Titan 12, which I, I will stand in that thing all day long if I can, you know, but then when the wind blows a little bit and I start working my, my I'm the sail and it starts blowing me sideways or something, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and again, I'm not fishing shallow water. So shallow water anchors, you know, stakeout poles or whatever, just don't, if I want to throw a deep diving crankbait, it, it's just an, it's a nightmare on a kayak because as you're reeling it towards you, you're pulling the kayak towards the bait at the same time. So you're actually reeling faster than you normally would. And yeah, yep. there's yeah. a, there's a learning curve there and trying to get the right speed. And I don't think I ever hit the right depths that I think. Right. It it's, it's funny though, man, because it's just like anything else. Like uh, you can either fix a crankbait so it tracks true, or you can learn how to mitigate it. You cast it a certain way so you, you can use that to your advantage. It's the same thing in a kayak. I literally have used a spinnerbait to turn me around one time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I've done that too. Yeah. <laughs> crankbait, I'll put the rod tip in the water or the chatterbait, and I'll pull it and just to get me angled better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's awesome. Do you ever run into like wh how many issues? Cause you probably fish some remote stuff too. Um, what type of nuances or issues do you run in with the technical side of things? Like whether you're running tourney X or a different one, like how often do you submit a catch or do you put something in that you run into a technical issue with your catch? Uh, it hasn't been for a while. Like you kind of, you get used to it. I mean, I've been okay. kayak fishing tournaments. I started in 2018. So this is, I've done, I'm what I'm in my fourth year, fourth season yeah. dealt with a blurry picture, the, the glare. So you can't get the, the identifiers, not visible uh, fish jumping off the board. <laughs> uh, that one that's happened more times than I care to remember in the past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so you just, it's one of those things that you once it happens you say okay why did it happen and how can i prevent it from happening again as a i, I got a question because i got my own thoughts on this um but as a kayak fisherman what what exterior you know nuances do you run in with other anglers like what other issues do you run into like do you have issues with you know big watercraft marine craft causing you hell sometimes i mean do you ever run in those kind of problems uh, yeah, it depends on the lake. You know, we've got lots of lakes around here that have speed limits, you know, five mile an hour tops or no wake the whole lake or electric motors only. So, um, I'm not dealing with them all the time, but I've had lakes with wake boat, wakeboard boats that go by, uh, they're 20 feet away. It seems. And next yeah. thing I know, I'm taking water over the bow of the boat and I'm getting wet. I chalk it up to the game, man, because when we were in South Carolina, people, uh, it depended on the water, obviously, but when you're in bigger lakes, it's like you're the small fish on the lake, deal with it kind of deal. But up here, when I did my tournament at Brushy, there was a guy in a bass boat, man, and we were working the same small cove, and he's like, hey, are you part of that big kayak tournament going on? I was like, uh, I was like, yes, sir, I'm trying to figure everything out. I don't know what the hell is going on. He goes, yeah. He's like, don't worry, man. He's like, I'm going to go up here and block this chop for you. And he seriously positioned his, his bass boat like in between the front of the mouth of the creek arm. And I, he's like, dab at it. And I'm like, that was cool as hell. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I, I don't, we don't have the bass fishing here that every, other parts of the country do. So yeah. most of the time I'm out there and I got a trout, a guy that's out there looking for trout or kokanee looking at my kayak and like, well, why do you need that many rods? And wow, you've got quite the setup there. And, 
I hear that every time on the launch. Wow, you got that's quite the setup. And I'm like, thanks. Even though it's nothing compared to what other guys are running. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but like I went down to Louisiana in 2019 for the KBF National Championship. And, you know, there's 400 some kayak anglers were down there on a bunch of different bodies of water fishing. And I remember so there was, well, you know, we call them glitter boats, but the a kayaker, a glitter boater got into an argument at the boat ramp and guns got drawn on each other. And only in Louisiana. Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. I, I went to one launch and there was 50 boats and trailers there. And I was like, oh, my, like that to me was. And that's just one launch on a lake that has a hundred launches where all my lakes here, are like there's one launch yeah. in one spot. And it's, I mean, so I'm, I just don't fish those super heavy popular lakes. Like some of these other lakes are that everyone knows about. And I, I mean, I live, I live in the heart of all that. So it, guys, I don't even know how to explain it to you what it's like living in Alabama and Birmingham specifically, you know, where bass started and it's just bass fishing is, is just a way of life down there. It's just like deer hunting down there. It's like, it is just, everybody does it. Everybody bass fishes down there. Even if it's just, it's like golf uh, at other places, like everybody bass fishes to a certain extent. That's bad. And that's good. I mean, it's some, it's good for business reasons because, you know, everybody wants to have the best gear, you know, or people buy a lot of good gear and then they get out of the industry immediately. And I'm like, I'll buy your gear from you. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, whatever. And, um, but like that runs into it, like in high school, like it, you could be quarterback of the, um, you could be the captain of your bass fishing team or quarterback of the football team. And I swear to goodness, like in Alabama, it's the same damn thing. Like they, the the high school bass fishing is like the tip of the spear like everybody wants to because and what's weird is the high school fishing um like the uh local athletic departments and the organizations around high school fishing is they support these kids taking off school so they can go get on the water so that's where they get rock star status too because they're like oh i'm not going to class i'm going to ufollow for a tournament it's like you know <laughs> so crazy. and it's totally supported it's just like being in um I don't know, like, you know, in Wisconsin up here, they take off the first week of hunting season because everybody, you know, goes out there. It's like, that's how it is with bass fishing. It's like, and so, um, like you're, you're looked at, it, it's cool. It's like a thing. Like you're, you're, it, yeah, it's hard to explain. It's not counterculture in the South. Like when I would be bank fishing or bass fishing down there and you catch, you slam a nice bass. Everybody's like, Oh yeah, everybody's about it. But I remember when we were kids in Colorado, Randy took heat, man, for being into bass fishing. And, uh, I mean, to say, hey, we're going with our dad this weekend to Pueblo and, and get go, dude, go smallmouth fishing or whatever. You know, like, people would look yeah. at you like you. They're like, know, that's horny. what you do for fun? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I still get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and you're, you're still there. You're still you're still the 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 rebel, the punk culture doing uh bass fishing in Washington, dude, you're still the, that's like us in Colorado. When we, we start bass fishing in Colorado, it's like, what, you're not fly fishing with a two pound tippet with your nymph over there in the Creek. No, it's like, no, I'm throwing a seven inch swim bait. Suck it. You know, it's like, yeah, but, it's exactly. Yeah. That's at 90% of the time I'm on the water. People are like, Oh, how'd you do? I'm like, I did. Okay. And then they want to know how many trout I caught. And I'm like, I, I wasn't, who, like, I'm not fishing for trout. Like, yeah. the giant spinner bait hanging off my rod on the back of my kayak. That's not a trout bait. Like, <laughs> should have figured, figured that out a while ago, buddy. Yeah. Been there, done that, man. Like, I love, I loved growing up, um, you know, half my life in Southern, Southern California and then the other part in Southern Colorado. And I love trout fishing. Don't get me wrong. But from the second I caught my first decent bass, I was like, yeah, no. Yeah, you're like, I mean, I love fishing for big, big um, trout on um, on bass gear. That was my favorite thing because I love going fishing with all those guys and their little, either little float tubes or their little, uh, you know, wading in the water with their water whipping. And, the, and I go in there with a, 
freaking like six inch husky jerk on like 12 pound test. And I'm like, dude, I'm about to catch a 10 pound brown trout. You can just deal with this. <laughs> I was throwing a Ned rig and I had five rainbows in the boat before I got one bass on a lake. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against water whippers though. Cause I seen some, uh, there's some cool stuff, man, um, out there. Like there's these people who go down to uh, Panama and they catch like peacocks on flies. I'm like, dude, what the hell? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, let's talk uh, business real quick, and then you know we'll uh, let's talk business real quick. So one of the things is we're trying to figure out what we are as an organization, as Brothers Brim. Um, you know, we we're doing bait design, we're doing uh, marketing, we're doing lots of different things, but we're really, really leaning on folks like you to more so give us some insight of what you're not seeing um, as an angler or what you would like to have, or is it just be able to do what everybody else is getting? We just like to get kind of your opinion about what you see from the industry as a whole, what you like, what you don't like. I know that's a very vague question, but sometimes it's just like, Hey, I refuse to do work with this business or this company because they're blank. We're just, you know, just want to get your take on the industry. Yeah. So bottom line up front, what's the first thing that strikes you right now about the industry? Like what is something that you're burning to talk about? Uh, man. Yeah. Well, I can say like, cause I do have sponsors. I do work with some companies, uh, but I, I, none of them are really big. Like I don't like corporate, and I don't seek them out. I don't try and like, you know, a Strike King or a Berkeley, uh Rapala, those, you know, I don't, nothing in part, no part of me says like, I want to be a part of them. Not that they have bad dates or anything, but they're corporate. And I, it's not a grassroots. It's not a company that's made here, made in America, where you can talk with the owner who's developing it, and where you have a relationships. And like you, you talk about, z-man and their evergreen and their jackhammer and strike king has money so they're able to buy the rights to use that same blade to head connection and so now it's a money game and it's all about the like they have the money to throw around so they're going to throw their thunder cricket out there because they can afford it when somebody else can't and i, I just don't like the that corporate side of it because that's not what fishing is right it, it's not it's not a dollars game to me. I, I, I would walk away if it was because I spend more than I make fishing. In <laughs> yeah, we know we're the same but, boat. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I don't care how like I I don't want to be a number to a company, um, and and it's it's a community thing. Like I want to be part of a community, and whether that's specific to a company and the people that represent that company and like their baits and that uh, camaraderie and community that you have, the people sharing ideas and how, you know, they might use a bait one way versus another. And uh, just those people that are, that are building the, the, the business around the angler as opposed to the angler's wallet and how they can kind of bring the angler in to be help part of them and how they give back to them. Uh, yeah. 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 That's awesome. That, that's honestly, I mean, the deal. that's honestly what drew us to you and you to us. And, and, uh, you know, that's how we feel. We feel, we love the communal aspect. We love the connections we make shit. If it was about money to me, you know, uh, I probably would have walked away as well a long time ago. I hand out three fourths of the stuff I make rather than sell it. Um, first time I've ever caught a bass fly fishing was because I gave a guy a crankbait. You know, it was yeah. an awesome story. I learned his story. I learned about that man, you know, and now we both have a connection that dad, yeah. you know, for the rest of our fishing days that we'll remember. And, and it's, it's, it's that tribal communal aspect. I love we, it. we almost look at it as that's our cost of therapy. Yeah. You know, it's like we, we pay into this and, and even our business. I mean, we, um, we're always going to probably spend what we make, if not 10 times over. <laughs> and so it's um, for us, it's, it's really therapeutic for us to have some kind of other outlet, you know, because life is not easy. Okay. Life, life won't get easier. Life continues to get hard as you get older but it also can get better at the same time. So like you can be, you can be happy and, and, and struggle at the same time. And the more times that we have, we work either working on a bait or on the water or whatever it is, we're happier. And so for us, 
that's what it's about. Now, the, the thing that we that we, we struggle with is, you know, Chris is going to be done here in five years. So as far as military, active military. So, right. um, you know, he wants to see and I'm going to speak like you're not here, like you're a third person. But it's like we want to be able to create something that we can focus on full time in five years. That's our goal um, to do that financially for our family, there are certain things that we're going to have to consider, but how do you, we have to make sure that we don't jeopardize who we are in the process. Lose yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And lose ideology or the thought process of what brought you into it. And the way you do that, honestly, is you align yourself with the people, right people. Who, who drive you in the right direction and who are interconnected. And you, man, you're, you're a damn good man. You, you're extremely supportive. And I love just the way you are about fishing in general. It's, it, you can tell, that it gives back to your mental health and it exuberates in who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like I work a 410 schedule. And so Fridays I don't work. And that's my day where I fish. And that's my day to get over the work week. That's my day to bring on the weekend before the other commitments with family and friends come in. Like, and I'm out on that water and I could be out on that water. I've done it 12 hours in my kayak. <laughs> just just by myself there's yeah. no one else out there i'm just going and it's just a way to recharge reset and get over everything that's happened all the drama all the work stuff and just start from scratch for the weekend and have just be at peace so to speak no absolutely i've i've even seen a correlation to uh regular time on water helping me handle daily stress Yep. Somebody will say something crazy or some situation will happen. And I'm like, well, you know, that three pounder that was whooping my ass, I finally landed, prepared me for this moment. And people are like, you're insane. I'm like, nah, it's patience, brother. Yep. It's patience. Or be able to fish all day yesterday and only get a couple bites, but yet have an amazing time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we want to, listen, we want to slay it. We want to catch fish and we're competitive. But at the end of the day, it's like being able to see the good things and times that are struggled, like, it helps you when things suck. <laughs> yeah, you, you catch two fish or nothing. I've done that recently too, and but you still want to go back out the next day. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's not like oh, I'm done with this. I'm, you know, I'm forget fit. No, it's like I okay, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Let's. I'm gonna yeah. throw a fit, and then I'm ready to gonna go back out there and do it to myself again because I enjoy it, and I still. It's just peaceful, and it's you know you you feel better even even if you don't catch anything no I, you're damn right man and and it's it's that thing it's that and and that's one thing i was going to ask you a question about but you already answered it you know that that personal drive to fishing and what keeps you going back but you just you hit the nail on the head um one thing i wanted to clue you in on since we're here and 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 doing this while we're talking right now uh our young man that we supported in the nationals and the world high school fishing tournament is rocking day two. He's on day two, right? Yeah, day two tomorrow. Yeah. So he, uh, I checked his team standings and out of 360 some odd people, there's 80, they were tied four way for 80. And this was day one. Um, and then for nationals, they were at, you know, 50 something. And, yeah, and I'm like, that is just awesome, man. I mean, they're, they're efficient at Lake Hartwell. It's the, it's the high school bass fishing national championship. It's the, um, it's the TBF side, not the bass side, but the, um, and it's crazy, man. These kids are fishing Hartwell on 4th of July weekend with, you know, 600 anglers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, shit's crazy. Excuse my language, but man, that is just nuts. And he's holding his own, man. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Cause that's a far cry from Colorado from what I understand. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Dude, they're blueback herring in that lake. Okay. He doesn't get to fish with, <laughs> well, there's like three lakes or something that over there that have blueback herring. Yeah. Yeah. We have, well, we have two in Alabama. It's uh, Lake Martin and Smith Lake. And then at heart or then in South Carolina, they have, um, they have no Santee doesn't have any, um, but the uh but yeah but there's a couple there that have them hartwell and uh, murray murray that's and, right yeah. uh, oh and westlake westlake yeah. is in um is in georgia they got them too yeah. oh and lanier sorry lake lanier <laughs> i just stupid i live down there so i'm just like <laughs> but um it's crazy all right well is there any uh you have any questions for us or anything like that uh 
No, no questions. Uh, I just shameless plug, not even a plug here, but uh, we talk about community. We talk about uh, what it means to um, to fish for all of us. And I, I've been sharing it on my social media and I don't know how familiar you guys are with, but uh, there's an angler, Jason Barofka. Uh, he recently competed at the the Bass Kayak National Championship on Possum Kingdom um, that they ran in conjunction with the Bassmaster. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, he, he placed seventh, I think. Uh, Got to be up on the stage. Uh, but his son has, um, and what he says, the rarest disease in the world. I don't know the details of it. I haven't researched that, but um, it's JT, his son JT. And uh, it, it, the the guy that took second place when he was up on that stage, he flat out said he's given all of his money to his son, to SaveJT.com, which is uh, – the fundraiser for his son and the disease that he has. And it inspired the kayak community. And there's, uh, they've created a charity tournament for him. Um, and it's for the entire month of July, I believe. Yeah. I saw that. There's over 650 anglers signed up for this charity tournament at this point. Um, the, the companies that are stepping up, and it's not just oh guy wins he gets money it's there's raffles and giveaways tons of manufacturers have come on uh the guy who's organizing it is actually went on Ike live and as uh yesterday or today at the believe and um to help promote it and push it and it's just uh it's just an awesome to see the community and the, the the reach it is from coast to coast uh washington oregon california guys you got uh, all up and down the eastern seaboard just tons of people have stepped up to take part in a tournament that doesn't have any bragging rights or anything uh but it's really but going for a good cause that's and, awesome uh, guess what that, yeah it's what this is all about. And this shows you the strength of our community as a whole. And, uh, and we have a soft spot for stuff like this. And, and, uh, this is part of what we do too, is also the, uh, we find, we find things that we like to put our passion in as far as being able to raise money for. And, and that's actually, ironically, that's my, that's my profession. I'm a professional fundraiser. And so, um, and so I love just absolutely love things like this that we can, um, put our energy towards and our heart and towards and it's just yeah we'll absolutely do whatever we can on our little end to be able to promote it and support it yeah it's just it i was introduced to jason barofka through another podcast on a west coast a california specific one because that's where he's from originally is uh socal i believe oh sweet then now he's he moved he relocated out to texas uh to pursue his fishing career and now he's um but he's a young son and it's just you know i it's it's, it's he, I, I don't even know how to describe it it's just one of those things that uh i heard his story i i know like is a good guy um and i want to do what i can to help same thing with your buddy and his um high school trying to get to the nationals for the high school, you know, if I'm in a way, if I'm in a position that I could provide any kind of help, I want to do that because that's an opportunity that I would have loved to have had. And, and it's an opportunity to grow the sport, grow the community. Man, we, we cannot thank you enough for your support, your elite sport on that too. That was, that was absolutely clutch. And I know, and I get where you're coming from. It's, it's uh you don't do it to be thanked you do it because man it's it's part of why we do what we do that's that's why we are all 
collectively drawn to each other. Uh, yep. AV, you, I mean, the, the mass group of people that we keep talking to, it's that underlying old school thing about fishermen, man. You know, if my line gets cut, you'll line, you'll lend me line. You know, it's just, it's that communal thing. It doesn't matter what background, you know, we're all from, who we are, what we look like, descriptive crap insert here. It's the fact that we all have this passion, this drive, yeah. and all that shit shreds away, and we all come together, and I love it, man. It, I've never seen people be more humane more humane and more civil and more just global i mean we'll talk shit yeah. but i mean we together. don't measure beard length and we don't count tattoos we do not measure beard length we do not count yeah tattoos. that's it and there's some shit he whoops your ass on the beard and, and how many tattoos you got brother oh uh, that explains four, everything right three, four, four, <laughs> eight, six seven eight i mean they're not i don't have i'm not covered but like from my elbow down to my wrist is solid on one arm. The other arm has, oh, I forgot one on my shoulder too. <laughs> Do you have any fishing yeah. tattoos? Uh, I have an anchor. That's the closest I have to a fishing tattoo. It's it's awesome. hard it's hard to find good fishing tattoos. Let me tell you, yeah, it is. we've been talking about. So they're so cheese dick. I don't want the I don't want that damn goofy ass looking like bass on Iconelli's shoulder. I like I don't want that. I, I Dude, I love American traditional, but people have taken that and they've like bastardized it. I mean, I like the World War II, like old soldier, old biker American traditional. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I've got an anchor with a swallow and then in a banner it says checkmate, which was the name of my grandparents' boat. Like total (laughs) classic Americana. And then all my others are like black and white, uh, like Egyptian and viking and just old school uh old history old history type stuff that dude you you and i are like two peas in a pod man i'm the same way <laughs> i gotta get more now i'm all motivated i only have three tattoos and so i'm just like now they're larger tattoos but... and then my beard length i've been interviewing for I'm trying to get out of consulting. I do private consulting. And so um, I'm trying to get back into um, in higher ed. And, um, and so because of that, I have to shave, I have to trim my beard and oh my God. He's had beard envy. Bro. Oh dude, during COVID, I had some length on this bitch. Oh yeah, my he's, God. he's like, he's like bro crushing hard. Oh yeah. I've, I've been trying to like shape it and get it going to where a length I I can answer yeah, my job. I don't, it doesn't, I could have my head could be covered tattoos. It don't matter. <laughs> my beard, like, I don't know how far I'm going to go with it, but I haven't trimmed the end of it for a while now. Well, and that's the cool thing about being a skilled tradesman. It's a, it's about the function of what you provide, but uh, you got five, you got, y'all got like five, six years to get your shit together. Cause I'm telling you the day this uniform comes off, it's easy top. I'm going Gandalf with this shit. I'm going Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, man, we appreciate you large, man. That's so much. And continue to give us feedback too. Um, if you ever, you know, again, we're such a fledgling little group and we want be more than just um we are more than just a bait company we want to be community builders and um and you know we have no idea what that means as far as a business in the long term but we do know that we love the community side of things and we're going to continue to do this yeah we we want to be a collective brother i'm happy to be a part of it and i i I want to be a part of it i want to help i want you guys to grow and i want to be i want to be there when you guys do follow you along the whole way yeah, man. I, I, I believe in what you're doing and it excites me because, well, I'm not doing it, but like, you know, it's one of those things like, oh, if I could have been a professional fisherman, if I could have been in the industry, it's, you know, and the fact that you're doing it is, is awesome. And I support that 100%. Hell yeah. Thank you, Thank man. You, bro. I, I'm going to tell you one last thing about that. That's the reason why we don't we don't call it pro staff we call it field staff right and that's because your voice matters and that's why we brought you on board but i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and close this out brother i just want to say it was was a pleasure to have you on um always have my respect you know it's good when good people can come together and talk and uh i'll end it with you know fish for a living living to fish fish this is what we do amen i appreciate it all right thank you talk to you later man take care